Yo. All right. We we're up. Yep. All right. And you're closer to the mic. I, I mean, am. you don't have to like eat its balls, but. I'll be a little closer. Yeah, just a little closer. I'm sure that already sounds better. What up? Hi. Okay. So this, this is Mur- the Murder Up podcast. This is what it's going to sound like. Um, we have mics right now. This first episode, we didn't have mics. So it's just being filmed with the mics that are built into the recorder. And it sounds fine. You can understand us and everything, but it just sounds like we're in a fucking bathtub. Yeah, and I chose a really long story for that, but like I was so excited, and it's such a good story. So <laughs> hopefully, the uh, the information of in the story in the story itself will take all of the bullshitty quality. Just yeah, be like, okay, I'm good with this. I'm it's done. not really that big a deal. It sounds fine, but yeah. just know that this it's is one what, episode. This right here, what you're hearing now, is give what, it a chance for sure. This is yeah. what the actual podcast is going to sound like. And it starts with episode two because we got mics right after the first the first one. Yes. So here you go. Know that. Don't think that uh, mm-hmm. I would listen to this, but the, but it sounds like shit, so I'm not going to. So just get through the first one and then it sounds good like this. Yes. So Cool. I don't think we need to say it for a hundredth time. All right. All righty. Right. up. Enjoy. Peace out. Bye. You said your sister-in-law killed a man and a woman here and cut them up? You said they found hands and feet, but they never found any heads. Hi. Hi. Welcome to Murder. <laughs> Murder. So, um... This one is a very interesting story. I wanted to do this one because it's pretty fucked up. And as a girl, it's like, damn. Um, it's. I wanted to give you the backstory of the people involved because I think it kind of clarifies maybe as to why some of the stuff happened or why people's history can cause them to do really terrible things. Yeah. So I think that this is a pretty good story because it's like, I and mean, we've all been in this situation, sort of. So, um, anyway. All right. Well, before we get cracking, <laughs> side note: we're we are recording on a like just a little recorder oh. for the time being. Yeah. Uh, so that's why it sounds a little weird. It will sound better. We're gonna get some mics, but we were impatient, so we wanted to record. We wanted to yes. We wanted to record. We have not set up the way. You know. We tested it. We realize it doesn't sound the best, but it does sound good enough. So as long as I don't mumble, which I do. And I kind of get loud sometimes. So whatever. First one. We're First feeling one, it out. We'll deal with it. Get it cracking. All right. So you ready? You engaged? I'm in here. I got a beer. I got a beer. Let's Let's get it. Ready? All right. So the first player in this story is Melinda Lovelace, or Lovelace. I'm not sure how you want to go with that, but she was born in New Albany in Indiana in October 1975. So you can kind of know kind of where these girls are coming from, what age group, where they grew up and stuff. So she was the youngest of three daughters, uh, and her parents were Marjorie and Larry. Um, Larry was, uh, he was in the army in Vietnam War. He was treated as a hero upon his return, but his wife described him as a pervert who wore <clears throat> her in her daughter's underwear and makeup around the house. Hold on, like... Like, would parade around in it. 
Really? Mm-hmm. Yeah, he would, like, <laughs> like, his, she was, I don't know exact stories, but they said that, like, they would come um, home, and he would be in their just, underwear. And he's, like... In makeup. Uh, uh okay. Yeah. Um, apparently he was also incapable of staying monogamous. I mean, obviously. And he had a, um, mixture of a jealousy and fascination with seeing his wife have sex with other people. And that's men and women. So, he obviously was a, like, like, <laughs> into some I just, shit. like, when they come home, uh, I just picture him, him like, uh, what's, what's it, what's the coach's name in The Waterboy? Uh, oh, uh, Coach Klein. Mr. Coach Klan. I remember when Coach Klan is uh, in the high heels and he's talking on the phone and the exactly. boys are connected. I just figured, like, That's exactly. he's in his wife's underwear. Mm-hmm. He say and his daughter's in underwear. In his daughter's. He had three daughters. Holy shit. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So, so in um, 1965, about 10 years before Melinda was born, uh, Larry became a probation officer with the police department in New Albany. But he was fired after eight months um, because he and his partner assaulted a black man who who Larry had accused of sleeping with his wife. So again, he would he like liked that she slept with other people, but also had a jealousy. So he thought this dude was sleeping probably, with his wife, and he and his partner beat the shit out of him. I guess he like liked being jealous. Yeah, he, he I mean clearly had some <laughs> screws loose. So yeah. Um, so then in jumping way forward, 1988, um, Larry briefly worked as a mail carrier, but he quit after three months and he basically didn't work when he was working there anyway. He brought most of his home, uh, the mail home and just burnt it. Like he just destroyed it. So people weren't getting their mail because their mail carrier was like, I don't feel like doing this job. I'm just going to go home and burn all of this. Okay. Yeah. So, and then Marjorie, um, she basically just kind of worked on and off since... 1975 so that's when again melinda was born um so when they were both working the family was really well off they lived in an upper middle class neighborhood um larry being the piece of shit he obviously is didn't share his income with the family and impulsively spent any money he earned <laughs> hold on, hold on, hold on. so he's husband yep and father, father of three mm-hmm He's but, obviously the breadwinner <laughs> at some point. Doesn't share his money? Yep. Yep, exactly. Doesn't share his money. He um he spent it on things <laughs> such as firearms, motorcycles and cars and then he filed for bankruptcy in 1980. So it's like it's like her husband and their father is like their 18-year-old brother living with them, just yeah. buying random shit. Yeah. And be like, damn, sick. Yeah. This paycheck was good. Yeah, exactly. Let's have fun buying dinner and shit. Yeah, see ya. Enjoy that. Um, yeah, so Larry obviously is a piece of shit. Uh, throughout most of the relationship, he was unfaithful to Marjorie. They had an open marriage. Um, he would also... Well, how is he unfaithful if they have an open marriage? Well, it was forced open in her oh, aspect. Okay. She didn't want to sleep with other people. And I guess also if it's an open marriage, you like tell them about the other people. He's exactly. probably just smashing a He's bunch just of smashing people. Bunch of yeah. chicks and not saying shit. He would also take her to bars in Louisville where he pretended to be a doctor or a dentist and introduced Marjorie as his girlfriend. Um, and he pretended to be a dentist a dentist or a doctor i guess in 1975 a dentist was a cool thing <laughs> i mean i'm no knocking dentist but i mean what's up babies <laughs> any y'all made it with a dentist i also don't think like I'm, well whatever okay. yeah, i guess you kind of go to school for a while i don't know i don't know how long it takes to become a dentist Do you i know i've always been 
Um, really attracted to the dentist. Yeah, yeah. And who's convicted of battery. So it's pretty clear that Melinda grew up in a household that was pretty off-key, and her father was violent. Um, it was reported by uh, Melinda's um, cousin that he was molested by Larry um, from ages 10 to 14. And both of the other daughters, so Melinda's sisters, said that they were molested, but Melinda never admitted to having been molested at any point. Good God. Um, but she did sleep in a bed with him until he left the family when she was 14. So Melinda's, like, she didn't have, like, she slept in the same bed as her dad and mom until she was 14 when he finally left. So um, there's also Teddy, the nephew or cousin. He also said that at one point Larry tied up all three sisters in the garage and raped them in succession, but no one has ever confirmed that. And how old are all the daughters during, like, this? Like 14 to 17 Holy shit. Yeah. Um, so, uh, when, um, when Melinda was seven, her, or her sister, when her sister was seven, um, Larry shot a handgun at her, intentionally missing her, but was verbally abusive the whole time. So it was pretty clear, again, he was a dickhead. He He's fucking nuts. Yeah, he would embarrass their, his children, um... Like, he would, if he, like, put on their underwear, he would smell it first in front of people. Like, he did this in front of other family members. Like, he clearly had something loose. So, that's where Melinda kind of grew up. Um, that's kind of where she went into. And about two years, um, <clears throat> for two years, when Melinda was five, Larry became that dude. Fame, guns, women... I'm reformed and going to church. He became a Baptist church member. um, Deeply, deeply involved. They gave a full confession, renounced drinking, swingings, and became members of the church. He became a a lay preacher. Do you know what that is? No. It's a preacher that's not formally ordained. So they're not... They're mm. not. They're not um, <clears throat> licensed, but you don't have to be licensed. What does it mean to be ordained? So it just I mean, means that, that you have done the studying to be a preacher. So you have to pass a test... Um, I don't know the ins and outs. It's different in all uh, denominations and different in religions. But yeah, for the most part, you know how like I was telling you that my friend's parents are going to like Christian college. Well, they're doing that so he can be an ordained. Ah, uh, okay. Yeah. Okay. So it's basically so you're you go. Schooled. Yeah, this dude was like, I'm religious and now I'm a preacher because I can re- I can read I can read the Bible. Cool. Yeah. So, um, so and then Marjorie became a school nurse at that time. Um, so they, at one point, the church arranged for Melinda, the the girl that we're ultimately talking about, to have an exorcism for some reason. Um, and it was done by a 50 year old man who took her to a motel room by himself. Okay. Yeah. Then. Sounds legit. Yep. So then back to good old Larry, you know, he's reformed and he's good. He becomes the uh, marriage counselor at the church. Perfect. Perfect. Great job for him. He knows exactly how to be a great husband and, you know, have a marriage. Um, And he acquired a reputation, shocking here, for being too forward with women, eventually attempting to rape one. Shocker. Attempting to. Attempting to. She got out. But, um, yeah. So, so, bless you. 
obviously the person who should be a marriage counselor. Um, so after that, the incident, they completely abandoned the church and reformed back to what they were super good at, drinking and having sex with other people. So, yeah. <laughs> so hold on, why did, the, why did that stop? Because yeah. he tried to rape that girl, or that woman. Oh, yeah, and how yeah, long yeah. was that standing again? About two years. About two years. Um, okay. And Melinda was five, so, you know, so she was obviously formative years <clears throat> for her. So so that's yeah. that's girl number one. Holy shit. All right. So Melinda comes from a fucked up family. That's girl number one. There's several people I'm going to tell you a little back history about. Okay. Okay, so Melinda, girl number one. Gotcha. Girl number two is Mary uh, Laurie. We're going to call her Lori in this story. Tackett. Um, she was born in Madison, Indiana, also in October of 1974. Um, her mother was a, a fundamentalist Pentecostal Christian. Yeah. And wow. her, Yeah. And her father was a factory worker with two felony convictions in the 1960s. I don't know how you're a fundamentalist Pentecostal Christian living with a felon, but uh, it worked. Um, Lori claimed she was molested twice as a child at 5 and 12. And then in May of 1989, her mother discovered that um, she was changing into jeans at school. Again, her again, her mother is very Christian. So um, would she be wearing like long like skirts down to her ankles? Yeah, and shit? yeah. And then she was changing into jeans. Um, so then her mother confronted her that night and things got violent and she attempted to strangle Lori. <laughs> like... Kind of think her, Carrie, <clears throat> like how her mother yeah. was like, yeah. I'm going to yeah, check the devil out of you, I guess. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Um, social workers were obviously brought in, and Lori's parents agreed to unannounced visits to ensure that there was no child abuse happening. Yeah. So um, basically, Lori and her mother had really, really, really bad relationship issues. They, they weren't really... Um, on the same page at, at, on anything. And at one point, her mother found out that she was at um, a friend's house and learned that that friend's father had purchased a Ouija board for them. And she obviously, again, she's very Christian, so Ouija is like... Fucked up. Yeah. And so she <clears throat> demanded that the father burn the board and that the house be exercised. Th- this other person's house. The whole house? The whole house would be exercised because there was a Ouija board on set. Okay. Seems, like, necessary. Yeah. So, obviously, Lori became incredibly rebellious. And after her 15th birthday, she became kind of obsessed with the occult. Like, magic and, you know. So, she, like, the Ouija board, like, like planted a seed, kind of. Pretty much, yeah. It seems that she was probably into that kind of... It seems like she was just kind kind of dark and twisty anyway. Gotcha. Um, she often tried to impress her friends by pretending to be possessed by a, by a spirit. The spirit's name was Dina the Vampire. Like, come up with a better name. Dina? Like, you got a white girl? <laughs> hey guys, hold on, I just switched. I'm, now I am officially Dina the Vampire. I'm Dina. Hold on, shit, where is she from? Indiana. So, I, I, don't, know. I don't know. I'm, I'm pretty bad with it. I don't know specific no. accents, but we're just going to go with that one. Indiana, I don't think so. You should register. I'm officially Dana. <laughs> Dana. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Look out, guys. She's Dana now. Yeah. So um, she she engaged in self-harm cutting back before that was, you know, a huge thing. Oh, this is 80s? Uh, this is early, late 80s, early 90s. Gotcha. Yeah. Um, in 1991, she began, began dating a girl who also self-harmed. 
and um, uh, Lori's parents discovered the self-mutilation had her checked into a hospital. Um, that was in March of 91. She was prescribed antidepressants and released. Um, two days later, with her friend Tony Lawrence, which will... Tony is another girl that we're involved that will be involved in this story. Yeah. Um, they both uh, um, they were together, and Lori cut her wrist pretty deep and had to go back to the hospital. Uh, they treated her wound and admitted her into the psychiatric ward, and she was diagnosed with borderline personality disorder and confessed that she had experienced hallucinations since a young child. So then, about a month later, she was released. So she clearly, from the get go, had problems, um, but then she again, got it obsessed with the occult and kind of went from there. Mm-hmm. And when was the, the, when was she in the ward? Like what age? Uh, 91, uh, about 15, 14, okay. 16. Yeah. All right. Mm-hmm. So in, um, September of 91. So a couple months after she was released from the hospital for the second attempt, she dropped out of high school. Um, and she just started staying around Louisville, living with various friends in late November, she met Melinda, the girl we heard about earlier, the one mm. with the crazy-ass father. Yeah. And the two became super, super good, super close friends. They met? They where, met. Where it doesn't I? really... I couldn't find any detail okay. on how they met. <clears throat> um, in December, Lori moved back in with her parents on the promise that her father would buy her a car. I don't know why you would make that promise to... Move back in with Larry? No, 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 no. Oh, the That's other girl. Melinda. The other girl. Lori, Lori, okay, Lori. Sorry, you. sorry. Yeah, Lori's father said... He would uh, allow them to move back in. And I guess because she has a mental issue, it's best for her to be at a place where they can kind of watch her. Uh-huh. I mean, borderline personality disorder can kind of go either way. So. But she wanted a car. And she wanted a car. And, of course, once she got the car, she spent the majority of time in Louisville with Melinda. Um, and by late December, she was basically conjoined at the hip with Melinda. They didn't go anywhere. Now, do you think which one do you think had more of an influence on the other? Melinda's like like dark like the craft girl shit. Do you think she started to pick that up, um, or do you think it was no, like vice versa? She I, I think little... Melinda was always the dominant. Okay. In this. Um, she seems to be. She's kind of the reason why this whole thing happened. Okay. Um, Proceed. I think Tony. I, or, I think Lori. Uh, well, no, it's a good question. Well, I'm asking, yeah, but I think it's... You're pre- asking premature. I think it's premature. Okay, so well, that's go fine. ahead. Sorry, okay. go ahead. So, um, <clears throat> excuse me. So, Lori's the second girl. So, mm-hmm. we have Melinda with the crazy father. Lori, obsessed with the cult, thinks she's a de- uh, vampire. Excuse me. Dana. Gotcha. Oh, Dana. Dana. Okay. So, third girl, Hope. Hope Ripley. She was born in Madison in June 1976, so she's a couple, she's a year or two younger than these girls. Okay. So, um, her father was an engineer at a power plant in February of 1984. Uh, her parents divorced, and she moved with her mother and her siblings to Quincy, Michigan for three years. So, she moved out of state. Um, she claimed that living in with her family in Michigan was turbulent. Uh, and then in 80, um, 87, her parents resume their relationship in Madison. Um, so her parents who had gotten divorced got back together in 87. So they got they got divorced in 84 and got back together in 87. Okay. So they moved back to Indiana. Um, and Hope was finally reunited with friends, Lori, uh, Dina the vampire, yeah. and Tony, which is another girl we'll learn about. So Hope meets Lori and, and Tony. And you then, said back together with friends, though. Yeah, they were friends as children. Oh, as, she lived as there young and moved children. Out. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay, gotcha. Yeah. 
Yeah, so at that point, Lori and Tony, again, we don't know a lot about Tony right now, but they were friends, and Hope came back and meet and meets back up with them. Okay. Okay. Um, so uh, Hope's parents thought that Lori, Dana, the vampire, uh, was a bad influence. I mean, no shit. <laughs> she thinks no. she's a vampire. No, no, that girl is fine. <laughs> sure. So by the age of 15, Hope was also committing acts of self-harm. So... So Hope is the third girl. As like a, they like just, a cultural like, like Yeah, they just cut themselves. Thing. It was like, hey, do this thing, we're doing wow, that's crazy. Yeah, yeah, I mean that's that's basically It's a crazy thing to get into if you're not legitimately like depressed. Mm-hmm. It's yeah. like, oh my friends are doing I mean, this it, thing, uh it seems like all of these girls had some form of uh a, a mental Okay. Break well, or illness. But she didn't or do that. But she didn't do that until she had a little squad that was no, doing it. No, no. The only thing it said is that when she was in Michigan, life was a little turbulent. But I think it was probably just because she was a child, like a teenager, wanting to get back to her friends. You know what I mean? Gotcha. Like I, I can understand that. So, so we have Melinda, crazy dad, um, Lori, who thinks she's a vampire. And Hope, who uh, recently has moved back and has reunited with Lori. Squad. Yeah, and now we have Tony, Tony Lawrence. She's the she's the last girl. She's the one that's friends with Lori and Hope. So she's like always in their group. Like the girls, remember Hope just moved back and became friends with those girls again. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So Tony was born in Madison, nineteen seventy six. So she's the same age as Hope, just a year or two younger than Melinda in. Um, Lori, and her father was a boiler maker, and she was she had been make it for boiler makers. <laughs> make it for boiler makers. <laughs> um, uh, and she was she and Hope had been super close friends since childhood. Um, she was abused by a relative at the age of nine and was raped by a teenage boy in the town at age of fourteen. Holy shit! Yeah, so she kind of fucked over. Um, the police were only able to issue an order for the boy to keep away from her and could do nothing more. Um, she went into counseling after the incident, um, but did not follow through in continued sessions. And she became promiscuous and also uh, cut herself um, before attempting suicide in eighth grade. So pretty terrible. I mean, you're abused by someone you should trust, a relative at the age of nine, and then you're raped by a boy at 14. And I saw reports... How old was the boy? Like her um, age? Like her age. And I saw reports that the boy taunted her, but I couldn't get confirmation that that actually happened. Uh-huh. Because the cops couldn't really do anything. They could only say, like, you need to stay away from her. And I, the thing I heard that is that he would call her house and, like, taunt her. Yeah, that kid's got some fucking balls on him. Yeah, yeah, that's pretty shitty. At that age. Yeah, a yeah. Fucking buster. Yeah, exactly. So that's Tony. So we have, again, Melinda, shitty dad. Lori thinks she's a vampire. Hope recently moved back. And Tony abused uh, and then raped at the age of 14. Gang. Gang. So then we have the final girl. Well, sort of final girl. Um, Sh- Shonda? Shanda. What do we say? Uh, we're going to go with Shonda because Shonda. it sounds like a way better name than Shanda. Shonda. Like, I'm really, really just, I'm terrible someone, at pronouncing things. But, uh, who, no, no one is going to name their kid. Shanda. Shanda. Well, I'm just making sure, but to me. I mean, me, I guess they okay. could. Shonda Shara. I think the Shara is what throws okay. me Okay, Shonda. So Shonda. Um, she was born in June of 1979. So she's several 
years younger than these girls. Mm-hmm. Um, her parents were Stephanie and Jacqueline. Uh, they divorced at an early age, and her mother was remarried, and they moved to Louisville, Kentucky. Um, she attended fifth and sixth grade at Louisville, in Louisville. Uh, she was a cheerleader. She played volleyball and softball. Um, her mother got divorced again. I guess she didn't like marriage very well. <laughs> I don't know. Um, and they moved to New Albany, Indiana in June of 91. So this is uh, about a year before what actually took place. <clears throat> So there she enrolled in Hazelwood Middle School, and earlier in the year, she was transferred to Our Lady of Perpetual Help School, which is a terrible name, (laughs) Uh, and she joined the basketball team. Uh, I can only think of, um, is it... I know what you're talking about. That 70s show? Our Lady of Perpetual Sorrow? Yes. I'm pretty sure sure that's where Donna ends up going. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I'm almost certain that's it. Um, but so, yeah, so in 1990, uh, 14 year old, oh, we're going, okay. So 1990. Oh, hang on. Let me go back. A little hold on, hold on, hold on. So that's Shonda. Shonda. Hold that thought. I'm going to get a beer. Sorry. All right. That's fine. Be right back. Did, should I just talk to you? You want a beer? Uh, no, I think I'm good. So right. yeah, you can bring one up. If we had commercials, this would be a good place for a commercial break. <clears throat> But we don't have that. We could probably make one up. Maybe we'll throw some music in here. I don't know. Hopefully you're enjoying this. Um, he's coming back up now, so we're good. All right, I'm back. Right. Sorry, everyone. That's no, fine. I said if we had an ad, this would be a good place for it, but we don't, so. Yeah. Thank you. All right. Sorry. Didn't mean to get off track. No, you're fine. That's actually a good place because we're getting ready to kind of go into it. Cool. All right. So, review our plate. Hold on, hold on, hold on. Cheers. Cheers. I can't open mine yet because I'm still sitting there. All right. Okay. So, we're going to go over the players one more time. So, we have Melinda. Crazy ass dad. Lori. Uh, Dana. Dana. Yeah. Hope. Uh, just recently moved back. Yep. Um, Tony. Yep. And uh, Shonda. 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 Okay. The young, the young one. Shonda's the young one. Yep. Yep. All right. So we're going to go to 1990. This is about um, Melinda is about 14 years old. So Shonda is 10 yeah. or so. Um, and the other girls are in between that. So 10 to 14. Um, so at 14 years old, Melinda begins dating a young girl named Amanda Hevron. Heverin. She's the final girl. And you don't really know a lot about her. So, um, Melinda's dad left at that same time and her mother got remarried really quickly and Melinda began uh, behaving erratically, obviously. Uh, she got into fights um, at school and she complained of depression and she then started receiving professional counseling. Um, in March 91, Melinda disclosed that she was a lesbian to her mother, and her mother was initially furious, but then she eventually accepted it. I mean, obviously, uh, uh, your father is who he is. Like, how are you not going to turn out? Yeah. And I mean, not that she turned out being wrong, she's just a lesbian. But, you know, to your mother, it's like, hang on, weren't you gang raped? And didn't you have open relationships and go to bars and pick up women with my dad? Like, how can you be mad I'm a lesbian? <laughs> like, that's so much better than anything, I can tell you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, 
Uh, so it made sense that her mom was like, okay. So then, um, is the year progressed Melinda's relationship with Amanda deteriorated? The 14 year old girls that are, you know, having lesbian sex. Like, yeah. I mean, you're gonna, yeah. 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 Um, Fucking chuck it, baby. Yeah, yeah. So, about that same time, uh, Amanda and Shonda met each other. They were at the same school it's at good. Hazelwood Junior it's good High. That these sirens are gonna show I know. up. I know. People, well, people will think we're in New York. Dude. Well, except that that's just now happened. Dude, come on. Go Dude. already. Oh, well, also, oh, wait, how many times does this happen in this yeah, town? Yeah, for sure. It's <laughs> funny. Okay. Okay. All right, hold on, hold on, hold on. I know it's loud in here, so I know it is loud in the mic. It's like, uh, well, I can't remember what. Oh no, no, no! It's the office when the when the wine bottle's rolling. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh god. Okay, okay, it's gone. Let's get it. I have silenced the bird. <laughs> Cause I'm a murderer, <laughs> just like you. Okay, so anyway. Um, so early that year, uh, in, or 91 in the fall of that year, Amanda and Shanda, oh, that's hard. Shanda? Shonda. 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 I'm terrible. I'm so terrible. Amanda and Shonda, I should have just put it like, Onda. Uh, they met at the high school. They got into a fight. I couldn't find why they were fighting, but they got into a fight and became friends while in detention, uh, for the incident. And um, then they started exchanging romantic love letters. At that point, again, Melinda and Amanda weren't really together anymore. So, um, but of course, Melinda, having the streak her father had, uh, became super jealous and decided that in early October, um, she was like officially pissed and went and confronted the pair when they went to a school dance together. Amanda and her new chick. Amanda and Shonda. Went, oh, to, and okay, yeah. went to school. Uh, went to a school dance together. Yeah. And Melinda, <laughs> being hot. pissed, yeah, went to the school dance and confronted her. Um, so Melinda, it, it, like Amanda's pointed out, she was like, "We never formally ended our relationship, but you started dating another girl that was older." So Amanda felt like she was free to move on. So, you know, you started dating someone else, again, having your father's streak where I want my cake and eat it too. So, you know, um, so Amanda and, Sh- and Shonda attended a festival together in late October and Melinda showed up and she became enraged. Um, she began to discuss killing Shonda openly and even threatened her in public. Um, concerned about the effects of Shonda's relationship with Amanda, her parents arrange for her to transfer to a Catholic school in late November. So that's why she cha- she transferred to uh, Our Lady of Perpetual Help. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever. Okay. If your school's called Our Lady of Perpetual Help, that's sad. Anyway. Um, so we're in late November. Um, at that time, uh, Amanda stated that she, had, she, uh, she, ga- she gave letters to Melinda. Hang on. Oh, oh, she went, Amanda went to a youth prosecutor and she gave letters that Melinda had written to her, to Amanda, threatening to kill Shonda. And she also told her father, but nothing was ever done. So she told people, Amanda told people, hey, Melinda's threatening to kill this girl. And she at least went to a youth prosecutor um, and her father, but again, nothing she knew of came about. That's good. Yeah. So, night 
night in play here. So Friday night, January 10th, 1992, uh, Melinda reached her boiling point. Uh, boiling point. Um, she just saw it plain and simple. Amanda was cheating on her with Shonda and she was fed up. That was it. Uh, it was, she wanted to show her how serious she was and um, Lori was coming over to her house. So Melinda knew that Lori would be more than happy to help her put her plan in action. Yeah, because um, Lori, again, thought she was a vampire, so, and she dabbled in the occult, so she was like, she'll definitely help me kill somebody. Yeah, so, uh, and she was a devoted friend, and she also often talked about killing someone for the fun of it, so Lori clearly okay. ready to go. <clears throat> um, that night, Lori picked up two of her friends on the way to Melinda's house, 15-year-olds Hope and Tony, so that's how they all come into play here. Um, Melinda had never met Tony. She had met Hope, like, once or twice. Um, but they all met at Melinda's house that night, went upstairs, began chit-chatting about the plans for the night, what they were going to do. They had all lied to their parents earlier that day, telling them that they were spending each other's, uh, spending the night at another friend's house, someone not involved at all. Um, as the girls sat around talking, Melinda pulled a large kitchen knife out of her purse, and she said she was going to use it to scare someone. Uh, she then told Hope and Tony about the problem she had been having with Shonda. So she was like, look, this bitch is sleeping with my girlfriend, and I want to scare her. <laughs> and um, somehow Melinda had obtained her uh, Shonda's home address, and before long, the group was en route. So they were on the way to go meet Shonda. Get it going. Yep. Um, they had some difficulty locating the house. Uh, remember, it's 92. So uh, they had to stop and ask for directions a few times, but they eventually found it parked half a block away. Um, Hope and Tony had never met Shonda. Uh, Melinda told them to go to the door and claim to be friends of Amanda and get Shonda to come to the car. Um, so... Hope and Tony go to the door and Shonda answers. They explain, hey, we're friends of Amanda. She's waiting for you at a deserted stone building in the woods called the Witch's Castle. Oh, Apparently, my. it's a, I don't know if it's a common name. I didn't look it up, but that's what they referred to it as. Um, Shonda said she couldn't go. Her parents were still up, but that she could sneak out about midnight if they wanted to come back. Um, Hope and Tony said, okay, and left. Uh, Melinda came, when they came back to the car, Melinda was furious, obviously, because they didn't have Shonda, but they told her, hey, we're coming back at midnight. So, um, since they had some time to kill, pop up, bum. yeah, anyway, that fell hard there. <laughs> I don't, what do you mean? <laughs> Pun intended, they I had time you. to kill. I, I got you. Damn shut it. Up, shut up. Uh, they went to a concert. It was at a nearby state park. So. Just. Okay. Yeah, they were just like, hey, just all really right, to... we're going to wait around for this girl. Mm-hmm. Um, so about 1230, they went back to Shonda's house, and Tony didn't want to go to the door this time, so Hope and Lori decided to go. Um, Melinda was the only one of the bunch that Shonda knew, so it kind of worked out, and she hid in the back seat under a blanket. <clears throat> um, Shonda was waiting at a side door when the two girls walked up, they explained that Amanda was still waiting on her, and uh, they had sent her back to pick her up. Shonda didn't want to go at first, but Hope eventually convinced her, uh, and soon they were all making their way to the car. Um, Shonda was sitting in the middle of the front seat. Um, Lori explained to Shonda that the witch's castle was a short drive away, 
in Utica. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think it's Utica. Uh, and then it used it, that it used to be the home of nine witches who controlled the town. Is it Lovely. Yeah, yeah, you know, awesome story. Uh, again, this is Lori, so she's like, oh, Dina, I'm, pers- <laughs> I'm possessed by this vampire. Uh, Dina, she told me about this witch castle. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so as they were driving to the castle, Hope started asking Shonda about Amanda and their relationship. And Shonda said that her and Amanda had been going out for a while and that she really cared for her. While she was talking, Melinda popped up out of the back seat grabbed Shonda by the hair, um, and pressed the uh, kitchen knife against her throat. Uh, Shonda cried and begged Melinda not to hurt her, but for the remainder of the ride, Melinda berated her, repeatedly calling her a bitch. Yeah. Wow. Again, great insult. Um, and holding the knife tightly against Shonda's throat. So she just pops up out of the back seat, grabs her, and her back. Yeah. Um, probably shouldn't have done that because that chair is loud. Very loud. <sighs> well, whatever. What are you going to do? Yeah, well, sorry guys. Um, we're, we're rookies. Yeah, it's true. Shouldn't have. Yeah. Well, it's okay. Whatever. We embrace it. Exactly. Um, Melinda took several pieces of Shonda's jewelry at that point, and her and Tony put them on. Um, and Hope took her musical Mickey Mouse watch. Do you remember those from the 90s? Oh, yeah. Yeah. That's a bitch move. Yep. She said she took it for herself. Um, yeah, so they took all bitch that. Bitch ass. Mm-hmm. Taking somebody's fucking Mickey Mouse watch. Yeah. So when they got to the castle... Um, it was dark, so Lori, being a complete dumbass, took an old t-shirt and started a fire. The fl- flames grew. and uh, In the car while they're no, driving? No, 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 no. They, when they got to the castle. Oh, gotcha. Yeah, they, in the castle, it was dark. Um, so Lori took an old t-shirt, started a fire. Lori started getting nervous because she pointed out that the fire was going to kind of show from the road if anyone drove by. Um... So, you know, she just, she was just, like, a little nervous, but she's the one that started it, so I don't really know what she was doing there. But anyway, um, Lori started threatening Shonda, pointing at the fire and saying that was what she was going to look like before the night was over. She was going to look like She was going to look like the fire. I, I assume the old t-shirt. Okay. Yeah, I don't know. Again, these girls aren't really great at the insults. You're calling someone a bitch. It's, it's like those Instagram public figure girls that bitch bitch it's like you can't come up with a better insult like come on (laughs) anyway um shonda was super frightened she just sobbed uncontrollably the whole time um lori continued to grow nervous because several cars started to pass by the castle and she suggested they leave and go to another place close to her home so the girls drag shonda back in the car and drive off um at some point they stop at a give star station and uh, they stuffed Shonda, Shonda behind uh, the back seat and covered her with a blanket, and Melinda stood guard. Lori pumped gas, Hope went in to pay, and Tony called her friend. During that conversation, Tony didn't say anything of Shonda being held captive, and once she hung up, the group left again. Tony later claimed that she was distraught over the night's events, but clearly she did not make an effort to do anything. Okay. Yeah. So Tony... Clearly the... The one that at the last moment is like, I, I want out. I don't like this. I want out. I don't yeah. like it. <clears throat> but she also never made an attempt. She called a friend and could have said something. Yeah. And didn't. So, 
Uh, it took the girls over an hour to reach Madison, and uh, Lori pointed out her house as they passed it and um, drove a few miles past until they got onto an old logging road, and they finally stopped. Um, at that point, Hope and Tony got out of the car, and Melinda and Lori, also getting out of the car, yanked Shonda from the back seat. Melinda untied Shonda's hands. I, it, I couldn't find when her hands were tied. I'm assuming it was at the castle. Yeah. Um, and uh, they ordered her to remove her clothes. And again, it's January, so it's bitter cold. Um, she, Hope and Tony got back into the car um, because it was cold. And they just uh, took positions next to the window and watched what happened. So they just sat in the car and watched. And watched. So Shonda was stripped down to her panties and Melinda threatened her with a knife before scooping up the clothes and throwing them into the car, telling the others they could have whatever they want as souvenirs. Um, Hope picked up Shonda's uh, polka dotted bra and put it on and Tony, again, claiming distraught over this whole situation, she just turned up the radio. She didn't want to hear what was happening. Um, Lori then grabbed both of Shonda's hands and held them behind her head so Linda or Melinda could hit her. So she just started punching her in the face. And Shonda begged both of them to let her go and swore to stay away from Amanda. But each plea was just answered by Melinda uh, telling her to shut the fuck up. Like, everything she was saying, just shut the fuck up. Um, suddenly, Melinda punched Shanda, Shonda so hard as she could, uh, as hard as she could in the stomach, and Shonda collapsed to the ground. And through gas, she just begged them to stop, um, but nothing happened. They just picked her up by her hair and repeatedly slammed her head into Melinda's knee. The multiple blows caused Shonda's braces to cut into her lips and bleed. Uh, blood was just all over her mouth. Sorry, I have to take a sip of this. Oh my gosh, dude. Yeah, I mean, you know, you're angry about this girl, like... Being with your girlfriend and you're, like, just slamming her skull into your knee. Well, and, like, being violent and shit is the example that was set for you at a really early age. Yeah, I mean... Yeah, I mean... Like, that's how you handle shit. Yeah, if if her father did actually rape her, or, you know, if that story that her cousin said was true... I mean, I, I it's not excusable what she's. No, no, no. What I'm just is, saying. I'm just saying that's that's. That's what you know. your example is. Yeah. Yeah, and I that's mean that's how you know how to deal with things. Yeah, and that's part of like again what I'm trying to like what I'd like to put out there is like you know it's not these people are just crazy or like all are just assholes. It's like well, there's something back there that made them this way. Yeah. I mean, some people do just snap. There are just some people, I feel like... Yeah, there's always an exception to the rule. Yeah, there's exceptions to everything in life. But there's a lot of things that you can uh, connect. Oh, for sure. You know, I mean, serial killers, again, there's boxes you can check off, so... So, um, at this point, Shonda was laying on the ground, of course, moaning, bloody face. Uh, Melinda finally pulled out the kitchen knife and tried to cut... Uh, Shonda's throat with it, but it was too dull to even cut skin. Oh, wow. So you have a girl who's clearly trying to cut your throat. It must have cut her a little bit. uh, It says that it was a little bit, but... um, Hope then jumped out of the car and helped helped hold Shonda down as Melinda tried to use her foot to force the knife. 
like oh my god push it, but it still didn't have any effect fuck mm-hmm. so since they couldn't slit her throat melinda and Lori decided to take turns stabbing shonda in the chest but the wounds were not severe enough to cause any immediate death oh again it's a dull knife Holy shit. Mm-hmm. She just she must have just pulled the knife out of her kitchen drawer and just went. Didn't even bother. Because they're children. I'm just, like, I'm just like, but think about how awful it would be to it'd be, even be getting hit mm-hmm. by this dull-ass knife. I mean, Well, and again, they're, these girls are clearly intentionally meaning to kill you, and they can't. And they can. And you're just like sitting here, and you're beat to oh. a pulp, so you can't really do anything. And imagine having someone, ha- like having a knife against your throat, and having someone's foot Step on, on the knife. See, and that's why I'm saying this story is so fucked up, and is a, is, is a girl who has been a 14-year-old girl. It's like, what did this girl do? She just had a relationship. Yeah. If if even that, I mean, like, there's not even, you know, documentation they had sex. So, anyway, um, clearly, even being stabbed in the chest, Shonda was not dying. So Lori decided that they were gonna have to strangle her, and she happened to have her open in the car. So um, Shonda the whole time continued to beg for her life, and at this point, Melinda was just laughing at her. Because she's, she's got that, she's got the killer bug. She's ready. She's ready to kill her. She doesn't care. She just thinks it's funny. At this yeah. Point. Yeah. Um, Lori came back with a rope and Melinda sat on Shonda's legs and Lori straddled her chest. They wrapped the rope around Shonda's neck and then um, pulled with, their, with all their might until Shonda's body went limp. But they weren't really sure if she was dead. So they just tossed her body in the trunk and went back to Lori's house. So... No pulse check. Yeah. Because they're idiots. Um, but they thought that they had they had killed her by choking her out. So they were both sitting on her body, holding the rope and choking her. Um, so they went to the house. They went upstairs to Lori's room. Uh, Lori pulled some stones and crystals out to read the girl's future. Because, you know, she's a vampire, so she reads the future, too. For sure. Yep. So just as she was telling the others that their features, quote-unquote, looked good, um, her dog began to bark, and they could hear Shonda screaming from the trunk of the car. Yeah. Fuck. Yeah, so Lori ran, in, ran into the kitchen. This was, of course, in the middle of the night, because this starts at 1230. Yeah. So she ran, in, ran into the kitchen, grabbed a paring knife, and went outside, threw up the trunk, and without any warning, started stabbing Shonda multiple times just wherever she could. She was just trying to silence her for good. She thought she was done. She closed the trunk, returned to the room where the others were waiting. So she's like stabbed to fuck. Stabbed to fuck. Several times. I mean, at this point, there was no, I don't... And then locked, so like the trunk opened, she stabbed to shit just all over the place. Yeah. And then... Just shuts the trunk and goes back upstairs. Oh my god. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yep. She walks back upstairs of course covered in blood and was like we need to go for a ride we gotta go hope and tony refuse they don't want to go at all so melinda and Lori leave by themselves so again hope and tony kind of along for the ride in this whole situation and tony being again a girl that didn't want to do this in the first place it seems they stay behind and they again are the two that don't really seem to have the crazy ass background Lori thinks she's a vampire, and Dina or uh, Melinda is, yeah, yeah, you know, her father. 
<laughs> so they leave, they drive around deciding what to do. Um, so they, they eventually stop to see if she's actually dead. So when they open the trunk, Shonda sits up covered in blood, but her eyes are kind of rolled back in her head. And she tries to speak, but the only word that they said that they could understand was mama. Or mommy, something along those lines. Um, Lori reached into the trunk, picked up the tire iron, and smacked it against Shonda's head. She pushed her back down, uh, they close the trunk, and drive off again. Damn, these girls are cold as shit. Cold as shit. My God. I mean, at this point, she's been punched in the face, had her head bashed against someone's knee several times, has been attempted to have her throat slit. Cut and Stepped on. Has been stabbed with a dull-ass knife, has been stabbed with a paring knife, and now has been hit with a tire iron. Um, So they start driving around again, and a short time later, they're driving down some back roads, and they hear a gurgling noise coming from the trunk. Oh, my God. So they pull over again um, to assess what kind of what's going on. Melinda stayed inside, uh, and Lori, who seems to be the person that kind of did the most damage. Yeah, seems like it. Yeah, um, she walked to the rear of the car and opened it again. Shonda was laying on her side, and um, Lori described her as looking like she was painted red. Fuck. Um, she was, she was, she had strange gasping and gurgling noises coming from her chest wounds. So it sounded like they had gotten into her lungs probably. Um, Lori grabbed the tire iron again and hit her over the, uh, hit Shonda over the head several more times. Closed the trunk, got back in the car. She gets back in and Lori places the end of the tire iron under her nose and smells it, laughs, explains what she did and reaches over to Melinda so she can smell it. By this point, the sun was starting to rise, so this is like several hours of Shonda being tortured and beat and stabbed and, yeah. They decide to go back to Lori's house to burn the body. They still think she's dead. They think she's dead at this point. Um, along the way, they step, they stop several times to try and quiet Shonda with a tire iron. So they've hit her multiple, multiple times. Because she keeps making noise. Mm-hmm. When she finally gets back to, to when they finally get back to Lori's house, Hope and Tony wake up and Melinda and Lori brag about the the tire iron blows and all the pain they've inflicted on Shonda throughout the night. And they explain their new plan. So then Hope and Tony follow them to the burn pile behind Lori's house. Um, but they quickly find it won't work because the fi- the pi- burn pile is covered in frost and they don't even have gasoline to start a fire. <laughs> So these girls are the worst killers in the entire world. Well, they're just winging it. Yeah, they are really winging it. Um, And I think it's... um, Ed Kemper makes a comment where he was like, oh, the first time I stabbed someone, I thought they would just have instant death. But, like, it's it's a lot harder than you think to kill someone. Yeah. And it's like these girls clearly thought that a few stab wounds would do it, and this girl is just clinging to life. Doesn't want to die. She doesn't want to die. So... uh, so, instead of trying to figure out what to do, Lori decides that she thinks it's time to show Hope and Tony her handiwork, and she opens the trunk. Um, Tony didn't want to look at the body, and so she was told to sit in the engine and rev it if Shonda happened to be alive still and started to scream when they opened the trunk. 
Yeah. Well, okay, so some girl screaming, are you revving a motor? I mean, is this like super late at night? No, this is right after the sun started to rise, so yeah. like 5, 6 probably. Well, it's, it's, it's winter, so whatever time the sun rises in the winter. It's earlier, right? Like 5? I don't know. Anyway. All right. Who knows um, about that time. So anyway, Lori opens the trunk, and uh, Hope, once the trunk's open, she notices a bottle of Windex and starts spraying it onto uh, Shonda. Just into to, her wounds. Just to do it. Yeah, yeah, because she... God, she's like a fucking Nazi. Yeah, I mean, at this point, this girl has not done anything. She's The only thing she's done is witness the stabbing. So, it um it, it's odd that she decided to do this. You know, this is like her time... Again, yeah, it's her time to start torture. Um, so, once the Windex started fizzling in her wounds, Shonda somehow managed the strength to set up. Her body covered in blood, except for her eyes, being, which they described as being pure white, which is, like, the epitome of Carrie. How Carrie is supposed to look when the blood... I mean, like, that's Stephen yeah. King written. I mean, it's, like, insane. Um, Shonda began... She was in the trunk, and she began swaying back and forth. Uh, Lori talked to her the whole time, but she didn't say anything. Um... At some point about this time, evidence suggests that the girls decide to sodomize Shonda with the tire iron. Um, none of them admit it to any knowledge of the wound being inflicted to her anal cavity. They, but it was there. But they don't it was admit there. To it. They won't admit to. No one ever admitted oh, yeah. to actually doing must it. Have done it. Must have done it to herself. Yeah, yeah. So I mean, it's clear that, um, yeah. So, uh, eventually after, at some point after all of this sodomy and spraying of Windex, Lori's mom, having woken up, called to her in the backyard, and Lori slammed the trunk down, and it happened to be, like, where Shonda was sitting, and it slammed onto her head. It doesn't say how, like, specifically, but somehow she slammed her head into the trunk. So I'm assuming she was sitting up, and she, like, slammed her back in. Okay. Yeah. So, um, Lori and the girls walked back into the house, got back into the room, and they decided we have to end our life once and for all. This I mean, is, obviously. This is a clusterfuck. This is a clusterfuck of clusterfucks, yeah. So, the girls get back in the car, they drive back down the road, and um, they come to the conclusion that the best way to get rid of Shonda is to burn her. Oh my god. So, they pulled into a clock oral. Clock? Oh my god. Clark Oil Station, north of Madison, fill up the gas tank, and Tony um, is instructed to go in and buy a two liter bottle of soda to pour out and then fill up with gas. They put it into a soda bottle. Okay. Yeah. Not the thing you're supposed to get it going. Yeah. Uh, They left the gas station, and the girls drove out to Lemon Road. Um, Hope was familiar with the area, and she had suggested that it would be a good spot to get rid of Shonda. So at this point, Hope is full in. I mean, she sprayed her with a bottle. She's suggested where to kill her. Yeah. She's on it. Um, They spot an old logging road and turn in and stop the car. Lori opened the trunk, and Melinda, Hope, and Lori pick up Shonda. Um, At this point, they had wrapped her in a blanket. Um, so they pick her up and pull her out of the car. Tony chooses not to help. Not interested. Still along for the ride, but not interested. So she stayed in the car and watched as they carried Shonda's 
uh, Shonda several feet behind the car before laying her on the ground. So they pull her out of the car, walk a few feet from the car, lay her on the ground. Um, Hope takes the bottle of gasoline and pours a significant amount on Shonda. So at this point becoming completely a culprit in this. Um, and Lori strikes the match and throws it onto Shonda. Fuck. The gasoline in- uh, instantly unites, um, oh, unites, ignites, that's the right word. And the fire appears to be burning pretty well. Um, it's clear probably Shonda's expired at this point. Um, the girls hop back into the car and begin to drive away. But Melinda becomes nervous, probably because Shonda has not died at this point. Yeah. I mean... She's the she's, fucking Terminator. Yeah, she's the Terminator. She's the killer in Scream. Like, they always come back. Like, I mean, it's she's coming back. Um, so uh, she tells Lori to turn around. She wants to make sure that the body's actually burning. Um, when she gets back to the scene, Melinda gets out of the car. She grabs the bottle with the remaining gasoline and runs back over to Shonda. And she stands there staring at her. Shonda's curled into the fetal position. And she just stands there and stares at her in the fetal position for several moments. And after she's done being hypnotized, Melinda pours the remaining gasoline on Shonda's, at this point, smoldering corpse because she's dead. Uh, runs back to, and she runs back to the car. So Melinda gets back into the car and she tells everyone and describes them in detail of how funny it is that Shonda was in the fetal position burning to death and um, how happy she is that Shonda's finally out of her life for good. Oh my God. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so they're back in the car. They're off. Um, Tony seemed to enjoy herself during the crime. Hope and Tony don't really seem to be too shaken up. Um, Tony, again, didn't really seem to do much but be um, involved. Yeah. There was no stabbing. Um, but uh, they had several opportunities during the night to summon help, but they didn't. I mean, they were at Lori's home for hours by themselves. Um, all of their exertions at this point had made them tired, so they decided to stop at McDonald's on their way back and have breakfast. Well, hell yeah, you gotta hit the, the arches. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. After a long night of trying to kill a girl. Yeah, you know, why not? Uh, Lori and Melinda joked several times that their sausages looked like Shonda. So while there. Oh my. Yeah. Fucking hell. Mm hmm. So again. Um. Sorry, I had to crack my other beer here. Uh, Get it. So they're just sitting there having breakfast, you know, hanging out. At that point, Tony um, makes a phone call to her friend and tells her about the murder. Finally tells somebody about the murder. So after they're done eating, Lori drives Hope and Tony to their house, or to their homes. Um, and then they she goes back with Melinda to her house. So, uh, while they're at Melinda's, Melinda calls Amanda, the girl that is the subject of all of this, Mm -hmm. um, and told her that she's killed Shonda, and she arranges for uh, Amanda to come over. I don't really know Uh, why Amanda agreed to come over, but she did. Okay. Yeah, so um, at the same time, a friend of Melinda's, Crystal, had also come over to the house and was present with Amanda when they told her about them, when they, when Melinda told her about the murder. Um, at first, they didn't believe the, 
that it was true. I mean, obviously, yeah. she's been talking shit. They're, they're four, like 15, 15, 14. Yeah, exactly. Like, it's just, it, it doesn't even make sense. But um, Amanda and Crystal become convinced when Lori shows them the trunk of the car. Uh, when they open the trunk, Shonda's bloody handprints and a pair of bloody socks are, are in the back of the trunk. Yeah, Amanda becomes horrified and sickened and is be asked to be taken home. And when they pull up in front of her house, Melinda kissed her, told her she loved her, and plead her not to tell anyone about the murder. Amanda promised not to and left, went in her house. Um, later on the morning, January 11th, 1992, two brothers from Indiana um, were driving towards Jefferson Proving Grounds to go hunting when they noticed the, a body on the side of the road. They called police at 10.55 a.m. So I would assume this is about three to five hours after she's been burned to death. Okay. Yeah. Um, so they call the cops. They leave to call the cops because, again, it's 92, so they can't. They just don't have a cell phone. And the cops ask them to go back to where the corpse is until they get there. Um, David Cam, which was one of the brothers who... Or, sorry, David Cam was one of the responding officers. Side note, I'll have to look up his story, but apparently he was um, convicted, but then later acquitted of his own family's murders. So Holy shit. Yeah. But he was the responding officer. Yeah, I'll have to look into his story. Okay. Yeah. Um, but, uh, but then um, Jefferson County Sheriff Book Shipley and his detectives begin to investigate, collected several forensic evidence from the scene, they initially suspected it was a drug deal gone wrong, but they didn't believe the crime was committed by a local. It's a small town. doesn't really make sense. It's a body burnt. That's yeah. kind of a thing. <clears throat> um, so then uh, about the same time, Stephen, um, Shonda's father, noticed that she was missing from the house. And he called several neighbors, several friends all morning, finally calling his uh, former wife, Shonda's mother. Um, and about 1.45, they met and decided to file a police report with Clark County uh, Sheriff's. So about probably, you know, eight hours after she's actually dead, they file a police report that she's missing. Um, at 8.20, a hysteric Tony Lawrence. So Tony, remember Tony? Yep. She goes into Jefferson County Sheriff's Office with her parents. She gives a rambling statement, identifies the um, burnt victim as Shonda, and names the other three girls involved. Um, she describes the main events of the previous night as best as she could. So Buck, the sheriff there, contacts the Clark County Sheriff where um, Shonda's parents filed the missing persons report, and they were able to match the body to the missing report. So they completely, I mean, that night, had it wrapped up. Had it wrapped up. Yeah. Um, detectives obtained dental records just to make sure that they positively identified Shonda as the victim. And Melinda and Lori were arrested on January 12th, two days. Well, technically two days after the kidnapping and then a day after the murder. Um, uh, most of the evidence they had was Tony's statement, but they obviously had physical evidence too. Yeah. These girls clearly were dumb enough they couldn't oh, for figure sure. anything out. I yeah. mean they couldn't even figure out how to fucking kill her so yeah. obviously they left just tons of evidence. Yeah, yeah exactly. Um, the prosecution immediately declared its intention to try both suspects as an adult obviously. Um, so, so for several months no information was released regarding the case. 
So the media didn't have anything more than just Tony's statement, which was public knowledge. So they were trying to keep it under wraps. Um, so really, the only thing people had to go on was Tony's information. And of course, she wasn't present for all of it. So that's why we don't really know all of what happened while they were joyriding, while Melinda and Lori were joyriding. Yeah. yeah. Um, I mean, they've said some stuff, so... So, uh, Melinda and Lori ultimately were charged and pled guilty to murder, arson, criminal confinement, and were sentenced to 60 years each in prison. All right. Well, that's a wrap. Yep. Tony um, pled guilty to a charge of criminal confinement, was sentenced to 20 years. Hope was Hope received a 60-year sentence with a 10-year suspended for mitigating circumstances, uh, plus 10 years of medium supervision probation supervised probation i can't remember what the mitigating circumstances is i didn't write it down so i'm assuming i couldn't figure out what it was i'm gonna assume it's because she wasn't super involved and she probably cooperated um on appeals a judge reduced hope's sentence to 35 years so melinda and Lori got 60 years tony got 20 years hope originally got 60 years with 10 years suspended and 10 years of supervision um, but they reduced it to 35 years. Okay. Mm-hmm. A pretty, uh, long fucking time. Pretty so. much. So in their own attempt to explain what happened, Melinda's sisters and cousins and mother, um, <clears throat> testified at the hearing that of course that her father, Larry, was had, a buster. Yeah. And had forced the young kids to have sex with him. Um, they didn't specifically state whether Melinda was abused, but they just stated that sexual abuse happened within the household. And yeah. it's very clear that it did. Oh, yeah. Um, Larry, <laughs> being the great guy he was, later was charged with 11 counts of child sexual abuse, which took place from 1968 to 1989. Shocking. Yep. An affidavit filed in Floyd County Circuit Court alleged that Larry once chained three girls together and forced anal intercourse upon them. So I think that's where Teddy got that story that the girls were also forced raped. Oh, okay. I think there was like interlaying stories. Um, another time he also sexually penetrated a girl with a loaded pistol. Fuck. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the affidavit didn't identify any of the girls or say if they were relatives, but they um, they called, they decided to, well, they stated that he was part of the cause and events of what happened to Shonda. I mean, it's clear. Melinda was... Yeah, fucked up. Fucked up, yeah. Um, Lori, she blamed her growing up in a strict religious household... Yep. She said that rock and roll music, movies, and other staples of an adolescent social life was off limits. So in rebellion, she shaved her head, began wearing black, and dabbled in the the occult. Um, Of course, witnesses claimed she spoke with the dead, and they said that shortly after her death, uh, after Shonda's death, she, uh, Lori allegedly performed a seance to ask Shonda's ghost how it felt to die by fire. Alrighty. Yeah, so... Yep. Um, nothing ever explained why Hope and Tony were involved. Most sum it up to peer pressure. Yeah. Um, both, well, they're the, they're the plastics. Yeah. They're just kind of going along. Exactly. They both knew Lori, so it seemed that they were convinced, or they were uh, um, affected by her, or at least, you know, under her, some in her influence. Um, but neither had met Melinda or Shonda prior to that night. 
And they seemed to think that they were just joining friends to go to a rock concert instead of assisting in a murder. So it seems odd that they would have just freely gone along with it for as yeah, long as they did. Yeah, hopped on in, in there. Yeah, I mean, they just jumped right in. And again, Hope spraying her with Windex, to me, is, like, almost more heinous than... It's fucked. You know, that's... I mean, that's... Cr- you are straight up cruel. Mm-hmm. Like, you're, you're... That's torture. You're torturing yeah. someone. Yeah. For no fucking reason. Yeah. So, um... To sum things up, Tony, she was released from prison in December 2000. She served nine years of her 20-year sentence and was released on parole in 2002. Oh, good. That's good for her. Yep, so she's she's off of parole now. She's free back in the world. She's been free for 16 years. All right. Hope was released in April 2006 on parole, and she served 14 years of her original 35-year sentence. Actually, her amended 35-year sentence. Her original sentence was much longer. Um, she remained on supervised parole for five years, but again, has been free and off of parole for like at least 10 years. Good. That's good for her. Good. Lori was released this year, January. Oh, good. Yep. Double she served good. 26 years of her 60-year sentence, and she will only serve one year of parole. So this time next year, uh, Lori will be free and clear. That is good news. So finally, Melinda, still in prison, but she's scheduled to be released in September of next year, Wonderful. 2019. Wonderful. I mean, why, I mean, why not? Yep. So, uh, you know, one, two, three, other girls are out. And Shonda has been dead since 92. Oh. And she went through some bullshit. And I'm sure that this girl, Amanda, doesn't even matter to Melinda anymore because... You're not 15. Holy shit. Uh, uh, by the way, side note, that's my only job on this podcast is to say, holy fuck, <laughs> holy shit, and oh my God. It's really just Holly telling crazy stories and me saying those three things. So if it's like, damn, this dude doesn't contribute shit, I'm not really here to contribute <laughs> anything. I'm just, I'm just listening. You're someone for me to talk to. You're someone, to. F- I'm someone for her to talk to. So, uh. But holy shit. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's, I mean, that's so good that they're all going to get out. I want them to all be comfortable and free because they deserve it. Yeah. I mean, you know, I, I definitely understand that some people, uh, you know, there are definitely people who have been determined to have mental illness in this story. And it's clear that at least Melinda and Lori have a mental illness. Tony and Hope. I can't sum it up to peer pressure because, I mean, I experienced peer pressure and I didn't kill people. Yeah, but the people you were chilling with weren't trying to kill someone. Yeah, that's so true, but I mean... I don't think you would have hit anybody with the Windex. I just... Hell no. Yeah. I'm so sorry. You're I'm just, so sorry. Yeah, it's not you. I feel like, you know what? I read a story about this once. <laughs> and I can talk you through it. Oh. Yeah, so um, that's, well, that's the story of Shonda. May she rest in peace. Shanda or Shonda. Shonda. I think it's we, Shonda. We chose Shonda, but it could be Shanda. Sorry to all Your people parents. out there that know sh- maybe Shanda. Shanda and we're butchering it, but fuck it. Either way, I'm. Uh, that's super duper. Really glad they're all, hopefully well, they'll all soon be out. That's mm-hmm. really good for them. I'm glad. I mean, it's like do awful things to another person, and then eventually, even after a super long time, they still have a light at the end of their tunnel for some reason. Mm -hmm. 
That's good. I mean, and it's not like, you know, it, this isn't an accidental murder that they try to no. cover up. They Holy intentionally shit. inflicted they to kill hours. The they tried to kill the girl ten fucking times. Mm-hmm. You're garbage people. I mean, there's not even a, uh, a count of how many times she was hit with the tire iron. I'm just so glad that they're out and they're able to go to McDonald's again, just like the night they did when they murdered someone. Super duper. I'd like to know what, what band they saw. Well, they like was just wasting was a local time. Band. Yeah, it had to have been just something. Well, they had planned to go to the concert. Uh, um, but they. What year was it? 92? Nirvana. Um, <laughs> it was see. a rock concert. Um, 92 in Indiana. Who was playing in, on January 10th, 1992 in Indiana? Was Pearl Jam a thing yet? No. Because no. Nirvana wasn't really hard yet, right? Or was that 91? Was it 91 or 93? I mean, three or four. <laughs> they were like 92. I'm pretty sure he died in 94. Doesn't matter. Okay. We'll don't... probably cover Kurt Cobain because I'm pretty sure he was murdered. Okay. Um, <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> but uh, that was an episode. It was recorded on a, a little handheld recorder. I hope, uh, I hope it didn't sound too shitty and I hope that I didn't say um too much. Yeah, I don't think you did. Because you, you really got into it. So well, it this wasn't story really... is very interesting to me. I've, I've I've read it before. It was one that's always stuck with me. There's one. There's another one that's kind of similar to it. And both of them, it's just like, it's... you When you start reading about it, it's like, oh, Mean Girl's gone bad. But it's like, or like, The Craft gone bad. Yeah, for sure. So it's like, you know, I like it. Like, I'm... Like, well, The Craft is one yeah. of my favorite movies. So it's like, yeah, it is, but, like, they don't kill any. Well. The Crow. Yeah, the Crow. The Crow. <laughs> uh, oh, by the way, we will make several Office references. Gonna make a lot of those. Probably several um, Friends references, too. Get over it. Uh, <laughs> all right, let's wrap this bitch. That right. was, uh, that that was, was Murdered sh- Up. Murdered Up. That I'm was. Probably gonna sing it every time. Holly Daniel signing off on this. Bye. All right, peace out. Peace.